You're listening to The Bud, a podcast bringing you all the conversations about weed worth listening to. Pack a pre-roll and light up. So uh, apparently I, I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm European, according to uh, 23andMe. Yeah. Yeah, really? I got, I got, yeah, I got my results. I'm what are you? did that, you're not afraid? I'm 99.9 Ashkenazi, full Jew. I'm of totally course. afraid to do that. You, you're totally, you're cool with giving them your DNA? Well, there's this company that uh, is in our space. It's called Endocana Health. Uh-huh. And uh, Len May, he's, he's the dude. He uh, He's taking people's DNA yeah. and correlating uh, different uh, uh, terp profiles and different oh, varieties wow. of weed. And, and correlate, because really, if you think about it, right, we are the variable. Right, like everyone's like, okay, you could grow weed, and you have, let's say, you have like the Chem Ninety One or the AJ Sour or the sure. Nigerian Haze, right? Your 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 cultivation environment, the nutrients, uh, you know, all these different factors play a role into like you know how the plant grows. <laughs> mm-hmm. and we all agree on that, but really, what we're not taking into consideration is that we are the variable, p- us people. Absolutely, you ever notice how I some, do. Well, you take that into, into every day. I think it's one of the things that people miss about the cannabis consumer. I think that everyone thinks they have it all figured out. And at the end of the day, where when we give alcohol to a consumer and we consume alcohol, we become a better consumer. We become more gullible. You, you're easier to sell to. But when you give a person cannabis and it's it has consciousness involved and uh, basically it's an experience. And then it's like, how do you repeat those experiences? And that's really what I try to focus on, at least personally. Yeah. So anyway, I, I went to uh, to 23andMe, and uh, and got my test results, and I'm going to submit them uh, to Len. I and see. So we could, in fact, get our test results and then submit our DNA to him as well. Or you could, or you could just go to him, and he could run the test. But I wanted to like get all the. Uh, I signed up for that uh, forward health thing today, like they scan your body. So oh shit, you're really going for it. Well, I'm in LA. I know, but I'm in LA and I'm terrified. But I'm not I'm trying to get in a database, a database. Like I'm from Louisiana, so I'm from the sticks. That's one thing to know about me. I'm from the Bayou, so I think of you know the Bayou people, and um, I I know I'm Bayou, and I just feel like 23 and Me would be like, yeah, you're from Louisiana, so <laughs> you're Creole. I'd be scared. Uh, I just feel like. Uh, they probably do want our DNA to make how, better versions of how us. many generations back does your family go to Louisiana girl we go back to when the Nova Scotians were exiled from Canada like you are in by the you Louisiana purchase blood. yeah so like mm-hmm. from the straight off the so technically if you did a 23 and me they would find that you're like 25 percent Nova Scotia or like whatever Nova Scotian Bayou and then THC. My tram stamp also tells people that because it's a fleur de lis. So when people see it, no kidding. One time I was in Mexico and people were like cheering for one? me. Yeah, isn't this kind of close? <coughs> that? Yeah, that's it. So, ladies and gentlemen, before I get any any higher, it's it's another week. We're here. We're joined together for an amazing conversation, and we're really excited to have our guests on today. He is what is considered the world's first cannabis producer. Uh, I am the first credited cannabis producer on IMDb. If that makes it, it does. First. He's it a does. legend, a legend, um, a man many know, but hopefully, no one will know. The way we will know him when he leaves our podcast. Um, that sounds <laughs> well, then the world will know. Extremely creepy. The world, but will I know. like it. Um, so you know, you've seen his work everywhere: Vice, Viceland, freaking celebrities, you name it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Bud, Jason, Jason. Pinsky. Oh, hello. Do you like how we said wow. that at the same time? We're getting really good. That was magical. I like. I had shivers. I will tell you the truth. Uh, because that's how I keep it real. And my, a lot of my fans are probably going to be shocked that I have you on here because for a long time, I held a long prejudice against Vice. I've denied signing their um, their releases like every time they've asked me. And for a while, I enjoyed criticizing Vice for their lack of financial contributions <laughs> to the cannabis movement. But personally, I've changed as I've gotten older and I, I've grown as a person. She like went John Boehner on Vice, basically. She was like, my it's feelings trendy. have it's, changed. It's, it's in these days. I mean, I, this was years ago, honestly, truly, that I, that, that I felt this way. But I do think that you can't deny the fact that so many people are being reached 
their experience of the new cannabis, this is the first thing they're seeing. Well, that was kind of, you know, my intent with Bong Appetit was to tell a story that was authentic to the core community and then palatable to a mainstream audience. But you can't make everyone happy, right? Well, never. But, you <laughs> know, I mean, what we can do is we can, <laughs> you know, tell the story in a way that, like, the pantry, right, appeals to, like, the cannabis connoisseur. <laughs> I tried to tell a uh, story inside the pantry with the products that we used, and uh, it was like, uh, I, I refer What's to... What's the pantry? Did I miss what that yeah, was? Yeah, it's yes. on... It's on. Have you ever seen Bon Appetit? Oh, are you talking about it's on? No, I haven't. The, the, the pantry is on. I've seen it. I can admit. So for people who haven't seen it, maybe you could pause the podcast and watch it. If not, it's basically like the holy grail of weed. And it actually is. There would be oil. There's oils and weed and flour and like everything they need. And they that's how they they use it to infuse and how the show goes. I mean, again, well, so Bon Appetit <laughs> as a, just to take it one step back. We're a cooking show. I have seen so many like sizzle trailers of Bong Appetit because they play them on A-pop media oh. over and over. And oh. I was like, oh, the show, you know. So uh, so Bong Appetit, just to take a step back for a second, we're a cooking show, right? That's really the primary focus is, is the food. Um, and uh, we're part of Vice uh, Munchies, which is their food programming. And basically, uh, you know, the... Uh, the food is really the main character of the show. The weed. Is it different chefs each time? Yeah, we work with each episode has a, a different type of cuisine <coughs> and a different chef. And um, the intention was to capture that moment when you expose someone who is a chef to like this whole new palette of ingredients, right, that could be used uh, in, in cooking. So like we wanted to work with chefs that were, uh, you know, not weed chefs. We weren't trying to work with like, you know, people that like go to competitions or people that have like a right. food brand. We wanted to work with like top chefs. And uh, what I did was uh, I worked with brands uh, and companies, small businesses uh, that are part of our community and uh, curated a uh, pantry of ingredients that these chefs could use. And, you know, we told the story uh, within the pantry from flour to fraction. So we had, you know, multiple kinds of flour. Uh, then we had... Uh, the refined version of that, which was like a traditional hash. Then we had refined versions of that, which were the concentrates that we have now, which are in, you know, different textures and finishes. And then, you know, we get even further into fractions, right? Different, uh, different terpenes. Weed taught me fractions. Yeah, fractions. I always knew that weed was the least common denominator. <laughs> you know, it's a really, truly, it's a great entry. I just think it like makes so much sense, you know, especially for people who've never seen cannabis before, which is like so interesting and fascinating to me that those people ex even exist on the planet. Well, that was the that was the thing, you know. I mean, if you think about it, you know, the media put us into this was a was a component of prohibition, right? So, like for me, uh, having a platform like Vice and an opportunity to rewrite the narrative on cannabis, right, to a global audience. Uh, was really uh, was really an amazing experience, you know, and and I think it's important to highlight that uh, it does create uh, a way for like parents to connect with their kids uh, about weed, for example, teenagers or what you know. I mean, this it's like the six hundred pound uh, gorilla in the room, right? So I had a lot of families actually, you know, comment that hey, this was a really great way, you know, for us to communicate. Yeah. So we actually always start here on our podcast with the same question, which is the first time that you ever tried cannabis. So uh, we stole weed from Jason Werner's dad out of his night out of his night table drawer. <laughs> How old were you? I don't remember. No, uh, I was uh, I was a teenager, probably like you know sixteen, something like that, maybe maybe thirteen. Tell our podcast. There's a big difference between 13 and 16, but either way, you wouldn't be the youngest yeah. we've ever had on the show. Maybe. We say it. Who's week. Jason? Tell our podcast listeners who Jason Warner is. Uh, Jason Warner is. Uh, we he he was a uh, a friend of mine who was like uh, my age, and we were the the drama kids. Oh, right? I was a thespian. Right? Where where did you grow up? Merrick. So this was in in uh, in Merrick, New York, and uh, and me and Jason Warner, Steve Romanato. What kind of weed was it? Uh, man, it was Gene Werner's weed, man. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. 
Did you get high? I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, the, the, my memory really of uh, of of getting more uh, in tune with weed was probably, uh, you know, starting to see the Grateful Dead uh, in the late '80s. So you were a deadhead. Uh, were was that past tense? Am sorry. I mean, in the current, I I still enjoy. Uh, Once, always. Is maybe, that how it is, or is for it for me or for anyone? I mean, I don't know. I'm both. Yes, once, always. Okay. Once a deadhead, always a deadhead. So, head. is that in college, or is that like from that moment on? That I had an older brother, so mm. my older brother was uh, Jono, and uh, his buddy Dino. Dino was a is a photographer. He still shoots for uh, for a lot of bands and, and a lot of venues. So, so did you always aspire to be in entertainment? Did you always have that dream or did you fall into that? My uh, parents, uh, my dad was uh, was business minded and my mom taught dance classes in our oh, basement. Me too. My mom was a dance teacher. Oh, wow. Love it. So, you know, I think it's that uh, that mix mm -hmm. of uh, of creative and business, mm -hmm. you know, but music certainly got me into weed uh, for sure. I mean, that whole... Interesting. You know, that whole de uh, Grateful Dead, you know, culture. We it was called Kind Bud back in the day. Interesting. You, you've you've heard of these things? No, never. Really? You're telling no. us the, for the first time. I love this. We've never. heard You're of educating it. us and our audience, who is much younger than us. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so. They're like, what's the Grateful Dead? <laughs> Not true. No, They're kidding. fucking cool. Oh, hang on. These I'm days, just kidding. Uh, it's it, it's called Dead and Company these days. Uh, John Mayer is. Uh, in the band, uh, I think he appeals to a younger audience. <laughs> Maria Wana's face was priceless. Whoa. She was like, "What? She's John Mayer is like in the Grateful Dead, man." It's wow. Well, okay. So then, did you ever think that you'd like work in weed? Was it like a dream of yours? Um. Well, or did you not even think it could be a dream? I mean, define work in weed. I don't know. You tell me. It's like when I was eighteen. I do you say you work in weed or do you work? You work in entertainment. I we produce, work for Ease, so you work in weed. Well, Ease services the cannabis industry, right? Ease is a technology platform oh, that right. links uh, dispensary licensed partners of ours with brand licensed, you know, partners. Okay. And we facilitate, you know, a uh, an on demand uh, delivery uh, by. Utilizing but our Ease is a technology company. Yeah, we're a, we're a platform. An app, right? Basically, you're an app, a oh, service. It's, it's 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 available on your phone or, or <clears> online. <throat> yeah, hopefully one day Kush Queen will be available in it. Um, yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah, what? I would love that. You know, typically <laughs> uh, my role at Ease is uh, uh when I first got uh, to the company, I did work with uh, the brand team in terms of helping to uh, curate the menu and, and establish relationships. Uh, but uh, but now uh, my role is the uh, as the chief cannabis evangelist is to educate and to inspire mm. and uh, currently uh, working on different media. You're the CCE of so, ease. That's cool. Could so, you give us some advice? Like what what kind of advice do you have for us as young entrepreneurs? Like as young. Wolfie is a comedian, myself as an entrepreneur. I think you uh, actually stand in a good place as the chief, wait, chief cannabis evangelist? That is correct. Whew. Yeah, I've never well, heard of it before. You're the, well, first I've, you're the first we've ever had here. You're the first I've ever met. So there's that. Preach. I mean, I do like to go to church, so. I'm, uh, I'm spreading the gospel of cannabis one terp at a time. Yeah. You know? Insert all the... Like the yes, the tambourines <laughs> and the fucking the music. Really, it's it's just glasses and a sash. But uh, no, for real, it's uh, it's important to. Uh, You're my, more than just glasses I'm, and I'm a sash, than, Jason right, well, Pinsky. So my my story and my history with cannabis um, has many different roots. See what I did there? I did. I see. He's. I think. I think you have a career. Yeah. So uh, my first cannabis cup was in '94. Oh, what was the, what was that? In what was the Stone in Age like? I mean, is that referred to oh. as the, the, the Stone Age? It just seems so long ago now. I was twenty-one. Oh wow! In nineteen ninety-four, there wasn't even medical marijuana in California yet. 
Correct. It was in 96, so that's wild. Yeah, so I Yeah, what was to, that like? I, I'll, I'll give you the, uh, the, the, the play-by-play. I responded to an ad in the back of High Times, and uh, it was, uh, I had read about these cannabis cups, because it, this was actually, in 94, it was the seventh annual cannabis cup. Um, and, you know, this was the first time that they actually put, like, a little travel package in a classified ad in the back of the magazine. So I wrote in and, uh, and applied to be a judge. And, uh, and this is like, you know, snail mail, right? And I, I still have like the actual response. It's like getting your college acceptance letter. Congratulations, you've been selected. Okay, this is your travel package. Like all this, you know, paper correspondence. And uh, we went to uh, Amsterdam that November. And uh, it was really like, uh, there was a, a, a trade show element it was like a, like a, a lot of uh, booths with guys that were like slinging hemp clothes. But and, of course, I yeah. mean, I've been to the cannabis cup now, so I can only imagine. Well, this was this was uh, yeah, at a at a this was a, at a place called the Pax Party House. Uh huh. And you know, there's probably maybe like twenty or twenty five companies that were making products that like came over, and then uh, and then you know there was the uh, all of the coffee shops. Mm-hmm. And uh, each of these coffee shops had uh, one or two items on their menu that you could purchase that was their cup entry. So essentially, it's what we refer to that nowadays as like a uh, like a crawl, mm-hmm. you know, where you're basically going around. But uh, yeah, that was my first cup, and uh, that kind of like opened my eyes mm-hmm. to a. It wasn't legal at the time, but it was it was tolerated, right? It was right. a regulated marketplace, and as a young man. You know, coming back to New York in 94, I was like, wow, man, you know, I have a choice. Like, this weed thing is, you know, you asked when did I think or when did I know I wanted to get into weed. It was it was then. Right. You know, uh, after that trip. But it, at that same time, you know, there was another industry that was really popping off, and that was tech. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, the same experience that we're having now. Uh, with yeah, the birth of the cannabis, cannabis is the new tech industry. Yeah, it's yeah. terrible. Oh my god! And now, like, <sighs> save me. There's this girl out there. Her name is Rachel Wolfson, and she writes. It's not me though. She kind of looks like me. She's in San Francisco, but she writes. She like writes for the Huffington Post about Bitcoin. And I hit her up. I was like, "Hey, I hope you're getting engaged soon. I mean, are you getting engaged soon? <laughs> because I don't plan on changing my name." And I hope you're okay with cannabis being part of our brand because now it's our brand because she's not going to change her name. So she's like, actually, it's cool. They're combining Bitcoin and cannabis. And I was like, I saw that. That's amazing. Did you really have this conversation with her? Yeah. And she's like, oh, my God, my boyfriend said we even look alike. I'm dead. And I was like, weird. Mine did, too. No. And her dad's name is Steve Wolfson. And he's a lawyer. Shut up. In San Francisco. <gasps> Everything's a simulation. Oh my God, the world is fake. I didn't even ask her if she smoked weed because I would have just killed myself right there and been like, okay, you can just continue this brand. No, I'm just kidding. Oh my God, she is you and you are her. There's a no, Jason I'm... Pinsky uh, tennis player. Apparently. What? Professional? Really? Uh, he was college. So like, you know, he, so there was a time when uh, when you would type in Jason Pinsky and you would be, you know, directed to uh, to tennis. But now, like, I'm that's outrank- the goal. Yeah, now it's I'm, I'm, I'm outrank. Yeah, just need to outrank. Oh no, I already do. So but then- I need to keep continuing. But she is a contributor to like Huffington Post and Forbes, so she has like the mainstream outlets. And I'm just like, so when yeah. you get back to New York, and the tech industry is booming, then where do you go? What do you mean? Like, you am I? Are we are we moving back to '94? Oh, get back from Amsterdam. Yeah, yeah I, I want to know your story. I like, I want a, you to uh, then tell me. I, you know, one of the things that I want, I love, is that there are people who hit me up every day, and I mean every day, all day, and they say, "I am this old. I'm in school or not. I really want to be in the cannabis industry. I really want to work in the cannabis industry. Where do I get started? How do I get here? And there's no place or path yet for people. There's no degree yet. There's very few paths inward. And I really believe truly that either you have to like find someone who can help you in 
or you have to like build the path for yourself. But I think it's all about telling our story, you know, and I think everyone's story is important. So I feel like allowing people into like a little bit of your world and your mind, it can somehow maybe like inspire people in their own life to sort of listen to those, listen to the universe or listen to your life or listen to like what your dream really is and how do you get there. Well, that's that's kind of synonymous with my job as, you know, chief evangelist at ease. You know, uh, the role of an evangelist in industry started in tech. Uh, Steve Jobs at Apple hired Guy Kawasaki as the evangelist, right? And this is uh, this dude would basically not only be a representative of, of Apple, but he was a representative of like the movement of, of technology, and uh, in and of itself. And um, you know, in my role, I share my story, uh, which has roots, pun intended, uh, back to uh, you know the early '90s. But uh, but then you know a decade later, uh, I was injured. And uh, there's a, a medical story to my narrative, right, about, uh, you know, having surgery and being on pain medication and, and, and then getting off of that pain medication with cannabis being opiate free. Um, you know, we passed the law in New York State in 2014. Uh, so, you know, being part of the coalition that helped to create medical cannabis legislation in my home state. Uh, but really it was like, you know, my history, I said uh, earlier, it was music that connected me to weed, uh, but really those were t two of my passion points, music and weed. You know, tech was really like, you know, at the, at the peak in terms of how I made my income in the 90s. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, it's important to, uh, to have passions. Uh, you know, I mean, fortunately, I was passionate about the, the tech that I was working on. Uh, we were Garmentos, right, back in uh, my brother and I. We worked for my dad's company. He, he was a, a leather goods manufacturer. So we wrote software for our dad's company, which helped them to print catalogs of the, of the products. I mean, it's pretty simple. But, if you, but the components that went into it were, this was the first time that digital cameras existed. This is the first time that, like, color printers laser existed so like we were really revolutionizing the fashion and apparel industry by adding technology as a sales and marketing tool and that was what i did by day you know i was uh i, I was in 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 that business at night i went and uh recorded music did you relate or consider yourself a stoner like how much did you use cannabis it was part of the culture, if you think about it. Like, you know, the like we were the tech nerds. Right. You know, the AV guys. Well, it, my dad actually writes software, and I know how much, like, cannabis is synonymous with, like, so many programmers, like, all types. Like, I, it's very interesting that so many companies have, like, anti-cannabis policies even still just because so many of them... I mean, isn't that why they also said they're not drug testing anymore for like the CIA? They can't even get coders and hackers who mm -hmm. can I think who that can was, pass a drug test. I think test. that was a, a, another agency, but yes, oh, I heard that. one of them. I, you know, I'm not up on my government agencies, um, but yeah, I it's so I, I understand it. I I really I can attest to it. It's a part of half of the reason why I'm here is because my dad was a, a smoker and he was accepting. So yeah, we you know there, there's been a lot of uh, talk about um, parents, you know, we mentioned before with Bong Appetit and, and using media as a uh, media presented in the right way uh, to, uh, to use as a, a way to have this conversation. In my household, you know, my son is gonna be 12. Uh, I've, never, uh, I've never hid weed. He doesn't know about marijuana or the, dr or the war on drugs or just say no. He knows about cannabis as a plant medicine that help get his dad off of pain medication. That's, I think, really what it's going to take. It's going to take a generational shift. It's really of, powerful. Of, I mean, I think it really is. I have, I have a friend who's like my soccer mom friend who I always, always sold weed to, and I wanted her to work for our company. And her husband was like, "I'm a doctor. Like you, you can't work for that company. Like you can't work in cannabis." And like, it's just so funny because this woman 
you know, she's benefited so much from medical cannabis in so many different ways. But I think it's really, it's hard for people to know how to navigate it as parents. Yeah, well, transparency, I think, is is the answer. Truly. Transparent, see? I think that you can't hide things from young people. I think we have to <laughs> confront them. And I think they're so intelligent and they're so emotionally intelligent. It's like this whole... It's selling young people short to put them in a box and say, oh, you're dumb or your opinions don't matter. I mean, look at look at the movement right now to protect young people in this country. Like it's so powerful and they're a whole it's a whole new generation of like human that's coming up. It's it's amazing. If you look at a lot of social movements, you know, it's taken media and time to you know, you need to have patience and fortitude to, uh, to to see things through. And, you know, what's happening right now with weed is that we're at this precipice where, you know, we're, we're about to take a, almost a century of prohibition and flip it. Uh, and the way that we do that is really by uh, education, you know, so. it's a- And media is such a powerful form of education. I mean, shit, look, Kim Kardashian today, she got the yeah. woman off. You know, it's you can criticize people all you what want. Happened, what happened? To I mean, Trump I pardoned did, uh, but the woman that um, Kim Kardashian went to the White House to, to speak, to for, speak for. for. She was um, Alice, in for drug crimes, name. right? Yeah, she was a sixty-nine-year-old non-violent first-time offender in prison without the possibility of parole. Um, and our prisoners every day. I mean, you see, Dr. Dina. I saw her today posting like, "I'm praying that." He considers pardoning some of our our prisoners of war because we have prisoners of the drug war every single day in prison while we all do what we do. So it's really um, I also think it's interesting that line, how we honor the past, but remain positive and confident in the future, you know, like how we how we're a part of this next generation, like how we can honor those people, you know, it's something that's super important to me and Wolfie, like, and everyone at my company, at least, like, it just, it's something that we have to, we have to always educate. I think it's important to pay, uh, to recognize those that came uh, before us. I've literally said those exact words and they're somewhere out there in the universe of the media. It's also really important to recognize those that are coming up after us. I'm kind of like, uh, you know, at this uh, time in my life where I have relationships with guys that are 20, uh, you know, 20 years older than me and and people that are 20 years younger than me. There's innovation, you know, there's learning from, from history and from yeah, you, know, you gotta really look at this movement. You know, it's uh, the social equity component is is everything. You know, California did uh, you know some really progressive work as it related to uh, I've making proudly sure. given my letters to a number of people getting licensing, and it's letters that said I'm a we're a, you know a women owned business who have predominantly this many women and this many you know minorities working here and it's something that I'm really proud of and it's really it's really important yeah and I also think that um you know getting people's criminal records cleaned up a thousand percent you know that's another thing that's really important so it's it's nice to see uh that element of it happening uh at a state level and you know if you really think about it uh it's I think it's important for other states to follow in, in, in those footsteps in terms of really kind of looking at this, you know, on a national scale. On a scale of like one to ten, how hard would you say it is to get a television show about cannabis on TV? Um, <laughs> like <laughs> high fives. You like that? Is that so is I just you, thought that was such a great question. I mean, I have a feeling it's really fucking hard. I was invited. Um, so Abdullah Saeed is, uh, is, is my good friend and, and was the host of Bang Appetit. And uh, we met at a cannabis cup. So I started my, give me that thing. Well, and are you going to return it to him? Actually, would you like to return it yeah. to him? Yeah. Okay. Thank That's you. Good. you. You should return Thank it. You. Make sure that finds its way back. Yeah. Okay. Let him know I'm, I'm a lighter is coming the, I mean, his we're, way. We're, we're, we're on the air. Yeah. So that's true. Anyway, so... Uh, Abdullah and I met at uh, Cannabis Cup, 
uh, I returned to the Cups in uh, 2014. So 1994 was my first Cup in 2014. 20 years later, I started judging Cups again. And uh, Abdullah and I met. We were both judges. Uh, he had uh, done some writing for High Times, but he was also uh, uh, had moved over to Vice. Lived in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, where I live. And, you know, we basically met at a weed competition, uh, at, or, you know, and then uh, started hanging out. So Bong Appetit was actually a, uh, a web series. I think there were two seasons of webisodes of Bong Appetit. And That's right. That Abdullah was, uh, was hosting. And then, I've uh, seen some of those for sure. Yeah. So then, if I've you're, proved that, I've proved that for sure. If, in the wee hours, if your uh, media company happens to partner with a uh, television network, then it's natural to think that some of those, uh, some of that online content will become, would transition to yeah. broadcast. So that's what happened. Abdullah called me up, and he was like, "Pinsky, um, we're taking Bang Appetit, you know, to Viceland, and we want you to come in and consult." And uh, originally, I think they wanted me to do it from afar, mm -hmm. you know. Well, I think a lot of, uh, well, at least Dr. Dina, when she was talking about her consulting days, it's so interesting how people, like, they have these consultants, but they don't actually want you guys to consult. Well, I mean, look, here's the thing. <laughs> I, I, I blocked my schedule. I was like, look, I'm going to need to be on site. Mm -hmm. um, you're going to need someone who is, like, there. Um, and at first they were like, no, it's cool, you know. I mean, look, I showed up at Vice with, like, a, a Pelican case full of, like, terps and distillates. And, like, it was like a chemistry experiment. And mm -hmm. they looked at me like, dude, this is, the, like, we're a cooking show. Like, like the audience is not going to get it. Um, so, you know, when I came out to California to help, you know, set up the production, I actually talked about uh, uh, Dr. Dina. I went and uh, and paid a visit to uh, Oswego. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, whoop, whoop, shout out. Sorry. And, uh, and, and, and our good friend Jason Beck, mm -hmm. right? And, uh, and Beck, in a flash, basically stocked, uh, helped me to stock the pantry. I mean, like, I, I had spent a lot of time 2014, 15, in, uh, in, in 16 in, in Denver, mm -hmm. Seattle. Right. Um, I'd spent time in NorCal. But, like, L.A. was, like, you know, the only times that I'd really been out to L.A. was to go to BlizzCon because I used to play a lot of World of Warcraft mm -hmm. back in the day. <laughs> that, that's I fun. love it. Is that funny? You're just, like, cool. Very cool. First time I came to L.A. was to go to BlizzCon. And uh, it was in Anaheim, right across from Disney. And um, there, were, there were three things that I wanted to check off the list of doing in L.A., right? One was... Uh, one was to go to BlizzCon. The other was to go to Roscoe's because I had never been. Oh, my God. I went recently. It's very good. And then the third was we wanted to go to the Compton Swap Meet because we had heard about it on uh, Snoop and Dre albums. As, you know, <laughs> that was like for our, our East Coast experience in the early 90s was about a $5 sack of Indo at the Compton Swap Meet. Right. That was the deal. Now, newsflash, there is no Compton Swap Meet. Like, it what? doesn't actually exist. There's a swap meet. But it's not called the Compton Swap Meet. But uh, that was my first trip to L.A. So my second trip to L.A. was to judge the Cannabis Cup in 2014. I've been, but that's like, you know, you're staying in L.A., you're in San Bernardino, you're in Riverside. You know, it's like wasn't like really L.A. So getting into town. That is true. That is some truth. Right that there. is not L.A. proper. And neither is the West Side, by the way. Nothing proper. No, the West Side ain't either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, that ain't in L.A. Everyone's I mean, like, we're in, we're, we are where we are. So you know what I think about L.A. People are like, you live in L.A., and I'm like, no, dude, I live in Venice. Yeah, you your neighborhood is different. You don't live in L.A., you live in Long Beach. You yeah. don't live in L.A., you live in the Valley. You live in your neighborhood. You live in Silver Lake. People don't, they don't know that until they get on the 10 to the 101 to the 405. Or, uh, I mean, I got two words for you as it relates to traffic in this town. Harley fucking Davidson. Oh, I could never. I'd be way too scared. That's three words, but... Jason Beck made two phone calls and stocked like like brought, like dudes started showing up at the house, and uh, and after we uh, really filled like you know the the first pantry was like a, a floor to ceiling kitchen cabinet <laughs> with like you know storage on the door. We put a lot of weed in that thing, and um, and then I was about to go home, you know because I wasn't supposed to stay, and uh, somehow. We finagled that uh, that I stay uh, around for the production. So that's kind of the genesis of, you know, how it happened. Uh, and we produced uh, 30 
31 episodes wow. in, uh, in about nine months. That's wow. crazy. That's yeah. awesome. The second season was a walk-in pantry. What's so, your favorite episode? Uh, that would have to be uh, with my friend uh, Melissa D'Elia. It's the uh, NFL episode. We had uh, Evan Britton. And, uh, That's so dope. What's that? That's oh, yeah. awesome. You, my questions are good because I research my guests. That was I didn't want no I just I didn't want you to think that I don't know what you're about I support it well so. look you know I mean we, we uh I, I do I, I'm no, just I, trying to be loyal I can't I'm fucking you're loyal. right though you're right okay it's very confusing. I just here's my thing about vice I love that they produce and on TV cannabis content and that's so important because you're right people sit down and with their families and it's something that they can do together which is so cool about mainstreaming the movement we're about. Well, talk about yeah for sure at least talk about maybe not like do weed together and watch the show but it's a conversation that is started and it's all because of this content but they also online for some reason i know it's not vice necessarily but they source these articles from some of these journalists who write very anti-cannabis without much information at least the clickbait is in is is in the um headline and a lot of times it just puts a negative vibe around the plant and the movement. And that's where I hold a grudge against not necessarily the whole company of Vice, but I'm just like, why are you guys doing this? You know, it's you guys are so great. But then it's like, Meh, you so know, I feel your pain. Um, you know, Bong Appetit is maybe the only, if not the only uh, series on Vice that has dedicated uh, cannabis staff. Right. So authenticity becomes everything as it relates to uh, keeping all your facts in check, keeping your dosing <laughs> on point. Um, and we've seen uh, other areas uh, uh, across the company that have, you know, reported on cannabis. And and sometimes, you know, people reach out to us. But, you know, we, we my focus has been, you know, on that show. Um, but you're right. You know, it is it is important as a. Uh, as an industry leader to remain authentic. Here's the thing. This is where I think I'm at. I don't know, personally. If we are ever going to federally end prohibition, we do have to hold companies responsible for their financial contributions to the movement or, let's just say, lack thereof. Our community needs better organization if we actually want to see change that's going to benefit everyone when we allow certain few people to fund the the change it normally only benefits a small group but i feel like you know being grown and being woke you know you have to in some ways like i don't know how i don't know how it is like i just feel like for me personally i can now see the good that Bong Appetit is done. I now see the good and the benefit in Weed Week in people seeing that. And I see that it is a contribution to everything. I do. I think that there's like conversations to be had in ways that, you know, we can always be better and grow and keep going. Yeah. But like, we're never going to get anywhere criticizing people, you know, like that. Like there's a there's a difference between trying to create a better world and culture around our community and drag culture there's a difference in like that you know and i think that's really what it's about it's like if i'm really if we're really gonna sit in dope magazine and say like we're role models like we have to be it and there's no you know by turning down um signing vices whatever you know like in some ways i'm just hurting exposure for myself and my brand um I came up in a certain way that I came up through the weed industry and I worked for brands and I did this and I did that and I thought that I knew everything and understood it. But it's just kind of like, you know, Vice is a television network. They're, yes. This is, this is their business. They're a private. They're a corporation. Like, it is what it is. But it it is amazing to just now, you know, especially the more I go to places where people just aren't in my bubble, I see how much the show is impacted and, and showed people this whole other world i 100 percent agree I, I that's where i was always coming from i just support whatever you were doing no, you I know don't. what i mean and like i just think you have to do whatever it is to get your brand out there and sometimes that means working with people that you don't necessarily always agree with 
here's the difference. It's not my business to run. Now I have my business. Now I have my brand. That's why we're donating a portion of all of our pride bath bomb sales this month to the Born This Way Foundation, to the LA LGBT Center, and maybe to another organization that someone tagged us on in Oakland who said they'd be happy, a trans organization, to receive some of our funds. So it's like, you know, that's really just the difference. It's like all we can do in life is be the change. And it's not up to me to tell Vice how to run their company. That's what everyone also has to realize in this like, in this change towards a new world is if you want to control a business, if you want to control contributions, you've got to run your own, you know, or if you want, I don't work for vice. So it's like, I guess I'm just growing and I'm evolving and I feel like my audience is evolving with me. And I know that they're, especially the people who've like been there and, and been on Snapchat with me all these years and we've had these conversations. So it's like, it's a great thing. It's really just about, how do we actually end prohibition? Well, I think that's uh, it. I and think, it's not by me being a punk. I think to your point, uh, what we're, what, first of all, you talk about uh, growth. So does weed, you know? I mean, like, this is, you know, we go from a veg state and then we flower and then we, you know, we flower again, you know? So I think there's an interesting analogy to be made. We as an industry have an expectation of uh, of society to turn a new leaf. Mm -hmm. We have to allow for that within our own community. It's it's not here. That's the thing. You know, that's really the biggest thing is that we have leaders, but we don't have like an organized, unified anything because we're an industry, and it's like this this problem that there was a lot of progress made because the LGBT community, because they were organized, because of Harvey Milk, because of Cleve Jones, because of Dennis Perone, because of these people. And then we had progress, and then we had, you know, 64. So cool. But how now? And we, everyone said, like, I remember 64, everyone's like, this is it. Like, once California falls, like, we are going to see it change. And sure, it's going to happen. But it might happen quicker if we could just have people organize and if we could actually, um, I think the biggest is lack of contribution. I think that like you have to put money into the system and the cannabis industry is an infant industry where every company is raising money to survive because the regulatory standards are so fucking high and every day, every business hangs in the balance. Like people have no idea. And it's just like until cannabis companies have the coin to really throw down for the lobby, it's always going to be an uphill battle because pharmaceutical industry, uh, I'm sure the NFL, but alcohol, everybody's probably against weed together. Yeah, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, the work that we did on the show while it was phrased as a, uh, as a cooking show, and that was our intent. Really, it was like an amazing form of activism, right? Because uh, we were telling a story directly to the people, to the voters, right? Like you can make money in the industry and then you could support, you know, uh, different legislation through traditional channels like lobbyists, or you can create media that speaks directly to the people, you know? So that was really uh, part of, yeah, so that was part of my narrative. Believe me, when I sat down with, with uh, some of these uh, brands, and I was like, I need, I need weed for the show. And these are small companies. And you know, they're like, cool, man, I'll, I'll get on TV. I'm like, yeah, you'll get on TV, but that's not, that's not what we're doing here. Like, this is bigger than your brand, bro. You know? Fam. This, fam, yeah. You know, what we're doing is, is, is we wouldn't be able to produce the show, right, without uh, the community. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that's the community of, of uh, across the board, uh, people that support the community with with the ancillary products and services. That is such a good message. Oh, my God. What a breakthrough. We've never had this said on the show. Honestly, truly, every single person here matters. Yeah. Community is the thread uh, that connects all the pillars of this industry. And I want to say that, like, truly, honestly, like as a human being to my core, if 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 I die tomorrow, have people know this, like that is what it is about. Every single business here matters. Everyone matters. Everyone is doing their part. 
And that is what people have to remember every single day as we viciously compete to survive. That's why it's uh, it, it, that's why we're referring to this as as the movement, right? Because collectively, well, a lot of people don't. You're one of the rare breeds to come in here and refer to it as that. So I salute you. Well, I've been a part of it for decades, and I've helped pass legislation, you know, in my home state and uh, getting off opiates with with cannabis. You know, this is what happened just to kind of continue on on my path. Mm -hmm. When uh, when weed became legal uh, in Colorado and Washington, 2013, uh, 2012 really was when they passed the law. Uh, 2013 and then 2014, I basically like started to travel to uh, legal markets. Mm -hmm. And High Times was doing competitions in those markets and uh, we would I would judge cups. So I judged every cup in 2014, concentrates, and uh, then half of 2015. During that time, I would spend, you know, in different states. And in New York, I couldn't get access to, uh, to concentrates. Uh, I had been smoking weed my whole life, right, practically. And I had been on pain med finally, was like, okay, I want to lose 100 pounds, and I want to get 100% off the, uh, the pain meds. And, you know, judging these competitions gave me access to medication, right? Because smoking flour doesn't give you the proper delivery or the proper dosing. Well, because it's not really medicine that way. Well, it is. It, it is, but it isn't. It's just, it, it, it's not enough for people who are trying to overcome, in my opinion, at so least. So it, it depends on if you have an acute uh, and specific need, right? People can use cannabis in, in, in low dose in a preventative way to keep their chemical balance in check, or people can use cannabis in, in concentrated high doses uh, to work on, you know, specific uh, ailments. So, for example, uh, you know, if you're trying to uh, deal with cancer, right, there's a lot of literature out that talks about uh, having a thousand milligrams, you know. And, and it, as far as preventative, it's microdosing I, or low well, dose. Well, that's what we do at Cush three, Queen. Yeah. I, I believe that if we put CBD and THC in our um, in our rituals and the things that we do daily showering bathing um, skin serum I think for me personally that's how I've been able to live my life off of pharmaceuticals I never had an issue with opioids but I took every antidepressant and was on every form of you know thing for mental illness that existed that they refer to that as a chemical imbalance mm -hmm. Yeah, bipolar disorder, all the things, you know. We were, I mean, depression. I was I was diagnosed bipolar when I was 12. And, like, I was taking lithium when I was 12 and took pharmaceuticals. I came off when I was 24. So I was told I had a chemical imbalance. But then I, like, was told I don't have a chemical imbalance. You so guys, it's like. Uh, you guys know about the science of, of weed, like the endocannabinoid system mm -hmm. and yeah. how, right? right? So, 100%. So we, we uh, the new narrative is really to uh, think of cannabis as like a dietary supplement. Yes. And you're supplementing your body with the same chemicals that you naturally create to keep yourself in balance, right? The ingredients in weed exist naturally in our bodies. Exactly. And the, the goal of the endocannabinoid system is to create homeostasis throughout the body. And it's regulating our most important body functions, our sleep, our appetite, our uh, gut, our the second brain did you hear about that the gut mm -hmm. your second well brain? yes it's where all of our chemicals are actually made that's why you meet i've met so many people whose lives have benefited from cannabis and cr from crohn's and you don't hear people with crohn's die from crohn's they kill themselves because they're so depressed and it's because your gut is so connected to your brain function um the same with sleep though i mean seeing my own struggles and struggles of people um, who are manic, you know, like lack of sleep can really take you down a deep, dark place. And if you've ever dealt with a person who's been unable to sleep for long periods of time, you just enter psychosis. You know, there's nothing you can do. So it's just these things, you know, are so important to our life. And I don't even think people realize the origins of self-care. The origin of self-care is that when you're so depressed or you're so sick that you you lack these basic things that you do when you care for yourself people have turned self-care into this this marketing thing where everyone's self-care sunday 
But the heart of that is something really powerful that our society has come to a world where people struggle this much. We should self-care every day. Every day. day. And that's, I believe cannabis is part of that. I believe Mm -hmm. it's all part of this like greater movement and we're just a tiny little piece in it. But it's so powerful to me that there's now the new cannabis industry that's corporate everything, money, money, money. People who are CEOs of companies have never even tried it. And then there's the group of us who share in both. You know, we see the, the the industry. We believe in the the side that side of it. We acknowledge community, and it's touched our lives as a medicine too. And I think that's also something interesting about not just about Bong Appetit, not just about cannabis in concentrate form. Is that for me personally, like smoking is just treating a symptom. It's not medicine to me. I need it topically. I need it orally. It's not enough, but that dual way you explained it well, that was my is experience. so powerful. That was my experience. You know, judging cannabis cups gave me access to the medicine that got me off opiates, period. All right. And, um, and that's, you know, really kind of an amazing thing. That's, this it. is like the morsel of right now. I mean, literally, I was getting my hair done on Sunday and this girl was telling me about her own experience with her cousin. And I said, you have to know that she needs concentrates. I said, concentrates are the future of helping these addicts. Like I mean, this is a, you know, this is something, and, and then I'm not trying to be the super woke one, but we all know, we, you guys go read the article, the GQ article about the family who created this epidemic. Our government allowed it, you know, they allowed them to prescribe millions of pills in places where it was like 50, 60 pills a person. You talk about uh, uh, Oxycontin and, and yeah. Purdue Pharma. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, the the uh, the company settled, a, I believe, a six hundred and fifty million dollar lawsuit because they marketed it improperly. They said that the coating on the on OxyContin would make it time released, and they marketed it as such. Um, and part of uh, their budget, I would assume, when they you know set out to make this product, was to allot a billion dollars for a lawsuit settlement. You know, it's like baked in. You know, trust me. I mean, the, they are, they were they're they're a massive, massive family and a and a brilliantly strung together corporation. And there's a lob the lobby and the now the the whole idea of a patent on the drug. I mean, and and while literally millions of people lose their sisters, and I know I literally know a girl who died this week. Like I donated to her GoFundMe campaign, and she has two children, and she's 30 years old, and she's dead because of pills and. Um, this is like, it's crazy that it's like a, I just wish we could literally shout it from the rooftops and buy billboards and just say, you know, you have to try this. You know, there, there is another way. Cause I don't really believe that, um, zero tolerance, anything works. There's, there's two sides to this, right? One is, um, boosting your endocannabinoid system, right, by by using concentrated cannabis, right, helps to uh, change the way your body modulates pain. Um, you know, the same way that we uh, talk about the government having a patent on weed. You know, if you look at the U.S. government's patent on cannabis, it's, uh, it's used as a neuroprotectant for traumatic brain injury, right, so meaning like an inflammatory agent. This is why you see, like, uh, athletes... Right, who are uh, embracing cannabis, uh, football. Right? My mother, who was in there, she's back. This is her first week back from having a, a tumor removed, a yeah. brain tumor. And when the when the neurosurgeon opened her brain up, he saw her brain and he said, "You have the brain of a thirty year old." And my mom has been taking cannabis now to sleep and has been fully off of pharmaceuticals for a year, a few years, and. She's back to work. She's his number one patient he's ever had in hundreds of surgeries. Well, this is why we talk about um, homeostasis, right? Uh, while the government holds a patent on weed acting as an inf- inflammatory agent for traumatic brain injury, right? Cannabis also works really well as an anti-inflammatory, right? In my case, right, with chronic pain, it's about inflammation, right? Your, your joints and, you know, like right. anything, it gets stiff. Um, so, uh, you know, it's interesting to see how your body, um, uses the medication for what it needs, you know, 
in some cases where it needs to be acting as an inflammatory agent. It's like nature's Tylenol. Yeah. You know, in, in, in a case of, 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 of me in a, in, in a pain situation, it, you know, helped to, you know, make my joints and my muscles uh, less inflamed. Well, it's like Mama Saline. Like, she discovered cannabis because she got her lungs crushed in a car accident. And it was like a doctor who was like, or a nurse who was like, oh, yeah, you know, cannabis does the same thing that these um, these breathing treatments do because it's a bronchial dilator. Like, that's why it it's good for you. And it's just so crazy to think that your lungs would be crushed and it would be good. It was better for her to hit a bong. Like, it's just... It seems so wild because, you know, this is it's what we've been brainwashed into believing, but it it's real. And I think that people really need to hear that over and over again because they're scared or they're, you know, it's God's plant. My story has really, you know, I've I've been telling it since I got off, you know, while I was transitioning, um, you know, and uh, tapering really is the, the, the method, you know, you take um, less. Uh, less and less and I I tapered over about a year and a half and uh, you know so the way that you do it is um, you figure out what your dose is uh, how many milligrams you're taking in a 24-hour period and uh, then what you do is uh, you try to take it hourly so like if you're taking let's say 240 milligrams right you would portion it into 10 uh, milligram uh, pieces and you would take them every hour and um you're still getting the same 240 milligrams but you're doing it um over the course of uh of micro dosing well what you're doing it then is uh, when your body starts to feel like normal when you don't feel any symptoms of withdrawal then you'll expand the uh the time interval from like an hour to two hours and then all of a sudden, like you're essentially lowering your dose. Maybe an hour jump is a little much. It's been like every yeah. half hour. But the point is, over a period of time, you know, like you expand the amount of time, then you then you use that for a period of time until your body starts to normalize to that, and then you expand the window. So you're really methodically um, tapering off the medication in a safe way. Right. That's what I did when I came off pharmaceuticals. Exactly what you, you just taught people how to come off pharmaceuticals. So this podcast is educational. Despite no, well, that's that's the uh, that's kind of the point is that if you use cannabis um, throughout that process, uh, then it can help. Yeah, with the withdrawal and the symptoms and everything. Yeah, CBD yeah. was really helpful for me. Like I, I was able to get access to. Uh, I think um, you know, inhalation is certainly uh, uh, gives you immediate onset. But really, the most therapeutic, like when you're when you're eating it, um, or putting it on your skin, or you know, when you when you inhale it, it's like it's in your body and it's out, right? But it, you know, consuming it, right? Digestion yeah. is like you know, it's so it's, powerful. It's in there. It's in there. You remember that commercial? No. Why do I look old? No. It, 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 <laughs> I'm just kidding. Does anybody? Good remember? Lord. It was Prego. Prego. I was going to say, sauce. was it Prego? Yeah, it's Prego. It's in there. Um. Wow. Okay. So, if your if your son wants to get into cannabis, are you going to support him in in working in the industry when he's of age? Yeah. Why not? Love that. Yeah. I love it. So, your evangelist. What's the act of being an evangelist? Evangelisting? What do I, what He's spreading the message. Like, so you know how I'm... Chief evangelist. I'm like a Kush queen evangelist. I go around. It's I spread, true. The, I spread re- the gospel of Honestly, Kush queen. Honestly, I'm not... Again, we're copying your glasses and we're copying... We're copying a number of things from you, just FYI. We're I spread the gospel of Kush queen. Tribute is... is uh, oh. Imitation flatter- is the highest of form course, of flattery. Of course, of course. So, yeah, oh. there's a number of things. Uh, Wolfie might take your title here, and but be the Kush queen version of it. So, so the difference between a chief cannabis evangelist and a chief evangelist officer, um, there's a difference. There's, oh. a, there's the assistant manager and the assistant to the regional manager. <laughs> so, uh, so Gene Simmons, right, from KISS. Mm-hmm. You guys, yes, we're familiar. You're familiar? Okay, I'm just checking. Uh, Gene Simmons recently uh, became chief evangelist officer for a Canadian weed company. What? Yeah, yeah, he's in the, you know, this is a guy. Can we get Gene Simmons up in here? Well, I'm going to, I'm thinking of writing a, uh, this is a message to Gene Simmons. Oh, Gene, thank you. Hi, Gene. Hi, Gene. 
Um, you know, I was a member of the Kiss Army when I was six. You know, like I, I, I've been a, <laughs> a fan for a really long time. Um, so uh, I would like to welcome Gene Simmons to the cannabis uh, industry. I would like to also formally welcome him. What about you, Elle? Uh Welcome. Welcome Hi, as welcome well. Why Gene. not? Um, we're the fucking welcome committee at this point. They so, should. We should literally, the welcome committee is our name as a squad. So yeah. Gene, Gene's position formally nice. was, uh, was, was anti-weed. What? Yeah, and the, and and now he's he's the chief evangelist. I for... he was anti weed, but like he was the fucking he was in Kiss. Did he did he not just like discriminate against that? But was like cool with every I other drug. I, I think he's new to weed, and I think it's important, like from one evangelist to another. You know, like I'd like to help uh, mentor his event. Yeah, you yeah, know, because yeah. like I mentor Wolfie, which is hilarious. Yeah. Do you need? Um, um, I'm also I need a male figure mentor in my life. Um, I I'm I holding tryouts. No yet I, I again. I don't know Gene. I'm Simmons holding personally. tryouts. No, this I wasn't. So no, I wasn't pressure. asking. I wasn't pressure asking. Cooker. I was going to say, if you were, are willing to accept this challenge, you could be. You could be the next uh, male mentor in Wolfie Meme's life. Cannabis male mentor. The thing about it is, you don't really have a choice. She picks you. You don't pick her, and then you can't ever get rid of her. First of all, we as a community are stronger together. No, I mean, I know. Trust me, she's my daughter. I took her in. So what are you asking specifically? You could, mentor, you could mentor me as someone who wants to be in the entertainment space also creating cannabis stuff and being a part of cannabis stuff. So, uh, so, so your mission, should you choose to accept it, right? There's this me and, and this message will self-destruct. Yes, that would be great. Cool. I would. I think it's. I don't think it's a an impossible mission. Yeah. What does the future hold for you? Like, did you what? see what I did there? Anyone? I loved it. Yeah. Politician. Anyone listening? Very po political answer. No, no. Um, it was. It was. It was very mission impossible. That it was. was. I do accept this mission. Basically, I'm allowed to text you and ask you questions, and you're going to get invited to stuff. Where is the? Uh, we've got to. Extend you're going to get invited to my shows. We've got to extend the, uh, the communication. Uh, in both directions. That's the endocannabinoid system. Oh yeah, I'll, I'll answer all, all of your questions that you have about anything. Anything that well, we. She's a great like. She is a great evangelist for you. Like she's really good at like going out and spreading the word. She's not like a laborer, um, but she. Also... I'm a good ambassador for people. Yes. Um, would you like to be a uh, a, a, a disciple? I mean, or, listen, would you, or, or rather, or rather, you could be one can of the I just twelve be like, apostles. Well, here's the thing: I have my own like kind of cult going on. Okay, um, we're all evangelists, really. At yeah, the end of the day, it's true. It, right? I have a I pack. feel like one after this. It's pretty much a episode. Pack. Yeah. I feel like if you stuck with us and you got to this point in the episode, you've been yeah. This has been the longest evangelist, most iconic episode that we've had. Well, you've broke records at the bud today because this is uh, the longest episode we've had, meaning in time. But it felt like four minutes, really, four hundred, four, four minutes and twenty seconds. But um, yes, I would consider it an honor and a privilege to uh, to be uh, included in your. Uh, in the family, cool. Yeah, in your family. Well, we accept. In your weed family? We, call, we accept we Pinsky. We're weed, yeah. We're weed mishpucha. Yeah, mishpucha. Anyways, so you're in iconic, and we're so grateful for your presence here on the spoke, bud. I'm just a spoken wheel. I mean, wheel. This, the, the real evangelist in you brought out the real evangelist in me. Mm -hmm. I had my come to Jesus moment. I no longer harbor publicly any hostility towards violence. Yeah, you you do you're right. You cured not cured, but like you really smoothed that over because I was hoping that would come. I knew it would. You had a come to ease moment. Yeah. I just a come to eases. You know, I just feel like <laughs> it's um it's you gotta if you're gonna do the talky talky, you gotta do the walkie walkie. And the smoky smoky and the toky toky. Anyways, I'm a jokey jokey. So tell people where they can follow yeah. you. So uh, um, well, I, I think today's the day uh, that I break 10,000 on it. On Instagram. What? I'm like, I'm like, do you want to do you want to do you want to check? Someone yeah. check or maybe at, I'll follow you because I don't think I follow you. Uh, so I'll my, follow you on all I'm, accounts. I'm, I'm what a, if I'm, I was 10,000? I'm trying to think of like what happens to the 10,000th. You know what? Uh, you know, there's that uh, website that. Oh, my God. It's me. Come on. Get, it's me. 
Take a screenshot. Take a screenshot. I told you we were gonna get to ten thousand today. So, uh, so you can follow me. I'm Jason Pinsky on all social media. You can also follow my glasses at Pinsky's Glasses. Oh, we can get our own? Uh, no, but you can follow my glasses. Oh, you just follow them. My glasses have their own IG. Ah, I see. I see. Oh, okay. I see. I was like, I thought they were selling these. I mean, so the, the, we're, we're working on uh, possibly a coffee table book or oh. possibly uh, more. But um, yeah, you could follow my glasses. Do you think that there's going to be another season of Bong's Appetite? Bong Appetite. Bong's Appetite. Bong. Um, I add S's to everything. I, I've been sworn to secrecy. Okay. Uh, stay tuned for uh, for more amazing things coming okay. soon Very to cool. a television station near you. That's what's I up. I cannot believe I was 10,000. I can't believe that. That That's was the a, best moment ever. That was great. I mean, like the raw reaction. You got that, right? Yeah. We, cap we captured yeah. that greatness. All right, guys. This has been another episode yeah. of The Bud. It's been real. Thanks you guys for are amazing. Thanks you're so amazing. Thank you so much for coming, Thanks and for we'll see me. you next week, right? Yeah. You can download and stream The Bud on iTunes, Google Play Music, and SoundCloud. Follow us on Instagram at It's The Bud, B U D D. Thanks for listening, and drop us a rate and review.